Hi, Jim Roddy here from the RSPA, interrupting our regularly scheduled programming to make sure you know that it's time for you and all your friends to register for Retail Now 2022, the Retail IT Channel's number one trade show, education conference, and networking event. Registration is now open, so you can save your spot to join VARs, ISVs, payment processors, vendors, and distributors representing every retail and restaurant technology under the sun, July 24th through 26th at the Gaylord Palms Resort and Convention Center in Orlando. One of the new features at this year's show will be Niche and Startup Alley featuring up and coming under the radar software developers. And that's kind of the theme of this podcast that we're gonna talk about. We're focusing on rebranding and you know, Retail Now wasn't always the name of the show. It used to be Expo Tech uh, is what RSPA uh, Retail Now used to be. So you gotta change, you gotta keep up with the times that's what we've done as an association. That's what Retail Now has done uh, as a show. And that's what we're going to focus on in this podcast today. So to figure out how you can keep up as well with the changes, listen to this podcast and also make sure that you register for Retail Now. Visit the website today at gorspa.org forward slash Retail Now. We hope to see you there and we hope you enjoy this new episode of the Trusted Advisor Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Trusted Advisor podcast and video series powered by the Retail Solutions Providers Association. Our goal on the pod is to accelerate the success of today's and tomorrow's leaders in the retail IT industry. I'm Jim Roddy back with you again. Thank you so much for joining us. In this episode, we'll focus on rebranding lessons for the Retail IT channel with two special guests from APG, the company formerly known as APG Cash Drawer. Our first guest is Paul Griffiths. He's APG's president and CEO. Paul joined APG after serving as the CEO of sporting goods company Birchwood Casey, general manager of Safeco Office Furniture, and president of Tamark Direct Marketing. Paul recently published an article on the Community IQ section of the Retail IT website titled 10 Retail Trends to Watch in 2022. Paul, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Jim. Yeah, no, great to have you here and looking forward to having our uh, listeners and our members get to know you a little bit better. Our second guest is Stephen Bergeron. He's the VP of Sales and Marketing in North America for APG. Prior to joining APG in 2011, he was president of Prey Key Tech for five years and for nine years, the VP of Sales for TPG. Stephen has been very active in the RSPA as a speaker and as a member of several committees. Stephen, always great to see you. Good to see you again, Jim. Thanks for having us. Yeah, wonderful. And Paul, you're dialing in from, is it Minneapolis today, APG headquarters? Correct. Fridley, Minnesota. And uh, Stephen, you are at a conference right now in Arizona, and the difference in degrees is what, about 60 degrees between uh, the two of you are? Yeah, it's roughly 50 degrees <clears throat> warmer, shall we say. It's very, it's pretty nice down here right now. Wonderful. Well, glad to have you uh, both here uh, in uh, the different different climates. And so our conversation today is designed to offer broad rebranding lessons for VARs, ISVs, and vendors in the retail IT channel. But first, we want to set the scene for your company's rebrand. Okay, so as I mentioned earlier, the name for years and years, APG Cash Drawer, well-established in the industry, right? Anybody who's been a member for any amount of time in the RSPA or around these circles isn't like, I never heard of APG Cash Drawer. And it also was a very highly respected brand, right? Every year, you know, voted in the top three hardware vendors in the RSPA, you know, of Vendor Rewards of Excellence, which are voted on by the reseller members. And also the past several years, you've pushed out tons of content under the APG Cash Drawer name. 
And I'm not the only one who can still recite your slogan of install it and forget it. And so with all that goodwill and all that brand recognition built up, uh, Paul, why the change? Yeah, great question, Jim. Uh, you know, the market in the world continues to evolve. It seems like it's going quicker and quicker nowadays. Um, and we just really wanted to make sure that we stayed relevant in the marketplace. Uh, you know, we've been around for 40 years, established. Uh, we're known for our high quality, uh, great service, uh, and, and really good quality cash drawers. And as we kind of as I joined the company, we looked at the strategy for the business, where the opportunities to grow were, uh, and we've continued to evolve and change. Um, I'm sure you're aware, we just launched our Soma line of cash drawers that complements our Genesis and Legend drawers that we've had forever. Uh, and we really feel we've got the broadest line of cash drawers in the marketplace. We've got that, we've also got Smart Till, uh, we've got a new thing called Architects, so we're continuing to expand what we've got. And as we stepped back and looked at an updated strategy, updated vision, mission, we just felt that the branding, the, the logo of the cash drawer and the name APG cash drawer was somewhat limiting and, and just not staying relevant in the marketplace. So we, we took the opportunity to engage some employees and we'll talk some more about that, but to, to bring up to date our, our brand and our logo and, and our saying, uh, very similar to your saying, which I love. Um, for us, it's trust at every point. That's kind of the essence of, of who we are and what we bring to the market. Um, and when I think about relevance and staying relevant, certainly important for you know our reseller community, our channel partners, uh, but also for our employees. Uh, we're trying to attract the best and the brightest and, and they want to be at some places progressive that's updated that that's you know somewhat looking to the future uh, and so those were really the reasons that we said hey it's time to look at it and again this was largely driven by our employees saying hey when i look at you know what we're saying our vision mission and strategy is it just doesn't quite fit with the logo and the brand hanging on the wall so let's let's relook at it and and keep it fresh and keep it updated and so was there just kind of the balance to push and pull between, right, we've built up this track record and we, at the same time, don't really want to lose that, but then you balance it out with saying, well, we've got to look more ahead to the future. And a wise business person told me once, there's no room in business for nostalgia, right? Is that kind of how you weigh it in terms of, let's think about the future going forward. That really has to be uh, our guiding light. Is that accurate, Paul? hundred percent. And, and again, especially when you've got such a legacy, as you mentioned that APG has, uh, and so we are, you know, we're so connected to customers with some of our customers we've had for 40 years. Um, so this wasn't, uh, Hey, we better reinvent and throw out the old. It was very much, how do you take that, that super strong legacy and build on it? And, and to some extent, letting go of the name cash drawer, we're not embarrassed that we make cash drawers. We make the world's best cash drawers and we know it. Uh, and we're incredibly proud of that and we lead with that. And yet we also sell software. We also sell services. We also, you know, so we just didn't want to have that limit us. Uh, and also just updating the logo to something that was more contemporary, that looks really nice and, and with today and some color. It just it just kind of uplifted the whole whole thing and just took it forward. And as you said, you know, you don't want to let your legacy hold you back, but you want to build on it. And, and that's where we felt like keeping APG there and, and again, a tagline uh, of a trust at every point that felt like such a good evolution, not revolution. It just kind of kept building on it.
Got it. Thank you for that. Well, Stephen, let me turn to you. And can you talk about the guiding principles and your process for the rebrand? Because we've only touched on like what people will see the name change or, you know, I guess the name shortening is what it would be. And then also, you know, the tagline Paul mentioned and then the logo. But there's more than that that changes uh, with with what you did. So can you talk about, again, those guiding principles and then, you know, the, the process for it? Sure. So I you know, for a long time, APG has always been a highly principled company, and that goes back the 40 years that we've been in existence. And probably for the last seven years, we've had 33 guiding principles. We call them the fundamentals that, you know, we all ran around trade shows and talked about our 33 fundamentals. Hard to remember 33 fundamentals. You know, it's brutal. <clears throat> and as we started to look at it, yep. We said, let's let's bring this forward, just like we did with the brand and the image and all of that. So we've really come up with our eight guiding principles. It's the same thing as 33 fundamentals, but it's eight guiding principles. And if you really think and you look at it, all 33 are represented in the eight. So hey, our- Hey, Steven. Yes, Jim. Uh, I've lost, I lost your audio for about 30 seconds there and- I've lost both of your video. You guys able to see me? Yes, you're very blurry. Hmm. You're not pixelating, but you're blurry. Yeah, I'm not sure. My Wi-Fi is working. Sorry about this. Your audio is clean. Yeah. I've never had this happen before. Nope. Now all the now all the video just went away. Yes, you are now Jr. <laughs> Looks like a bullseye, Mister Ewing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it does. Um, but I'm done, and I'm here twice on Saturday. <laughs> oh, now you're you're back to clear. Is it? Yep. Yeah. Okay, so we're back again. Yeah. All right. So here's what we'll do. I will just, I'll start that question over again, and then sure. uh, we'll just end up cutting it from there. And I'm going to make a note about cut pre-Q2. Man, you know, usually in my guidelines, I say, and if something goes horribly wrong, we will be able to pause it. That never happens. But here we are. I guess I've reverse jinxed myself. So, all right, we'll do another quick uh, countdown and start with uh, with your second question. So glad it came back. All right, three, two, one. So, Stephen, let me turn to you and can you talk about the guiding principles and your process for the rebrand? Because, you know, as Paul mentioned, you know, change the name or shortened the name, you know, change the tagline, change the logo. But there's a lot beyond that. Really, That's only maybe the, the most visual of what, what folks see. So talk about the process and the guiding principles for this rebrand of yours. Sure. So APG, as long as you and I have known the company, has always been highly principled. Seven years ago, the leadership team put forward 33 fundamentals and we walked around trade shows for a long time with you know our card and talked openly about the fundamentals. As we were going through the rebrand, we felt that the fundamentals could be uplifted and we came out with what we call is our compass roads, eight guiding points for APG's business. And our North Star, our guiding feature is customer centric. APG's always been customer centric, but now customer 
just like trust at every point is an internal and external statement, customer centric is both an internal and an external statement. Sure, we know our distribution partners, we know our OEMs, but we also serve each other at some level culturally within the organization. And then we started to challenge each other and said, are we collaborative enough? Well, yeah, we, we're good at collaboration, let's be better. So that became a, a talking point. We started to empower employees to do the next right thing. Be proud of the work we do at APG, whether it's an internal committee, an external committee, or something we're trying to do with either the environment or within our community. So be proud, be principled. That's been a guiding principle for APG forever. Accountable, innovative, and be bold. Trying to do all of this all the while of being humble is quite a challenge. So it's the eight compass points as we go forward that it's driving, I don't wanna say the new APG, but the APG of today, because um, we are built on yesterday's foundation. Uh, you know, Paul talked about a lot of the visual aspects of, you know, where APG is going and where we were coming from. And, and sure, it's the colors, it's the logo, but it's also the tone of voice. It's how we talk to our customers. It's how we're talking to the market. That also was looked at and reviewed. And we we're trying to adapt to be something other than that heavy metal cash drawer company, we build drawers, you buy. It's, you know, back in the early days when I first started in this industry, it was called selling iron. And we used to joke that you sold point of sale by the pound. And mm -hmm. with cloud and tablet and SaaS and HaaS, it's way different. And we felt we just needed to come forward with that whole changing and morphing of the industry. And I'm curious, did you write these things down? Like, because when folks are coming up with the new names, and I do remember when, uh, you know, back when I was at Jameson Publishing, we were going to spin off a sister company to do something, and they just asked people, what name should it be? And we just got everything, right? Like, you know, long names, short names, things that meant absolutely nothing. When you were looking for feedback from individuals, did you have these principles written down? Did you actually brainstorm, here's where we want to be, and here's things that we don't want to do? Did you have a process like that to kind of guide everybody so it wasn't just some free-for-all brainstorming yeah we had 10 steps that we wanted to follow you know paul had led a couple of organizations through a rebranding in his previous life and he kind of built on a couple of the ways he handled it in the past we asked that there be no sacred cows in the discussion and the only the only thing we said that contradicted that was what you opened with We've got 40 years of APG branding. And to get rid of that brand equity, you know, with the swipe of a pen, All right. just didn't seem right. So we said APG really should stay, but does <clears throat> the mark of a cash drawer have to stay? Probably not. Do the two words cash drawer have to stay limiting again, but don't get rid of 40 years of goodwill. And, and that was okay. that was a guiding principle of the rebrand. Don't get rid of the goodwill that we've taken 40 years. So no changes for the sake of change, but have it thought out. Why are you doing it? And I think Paul articulated that in yeah. the beginning. 
And who are you doing it for? And that those are two of the questions in the 10 that we had to answer okay. very specifically. Um, and, yeah, and if I, I can just, if I can just build on that call. a little bit. Yeah, if I just yeah. build on that a little bit. So so the, the rebranding wasn't where we started. We, we actually started on the strategy of the business and and where we felt the opportunity to grow was um, and you know what's working well where's where what can we do different what can we do better and that really led to us you know broadening our product offering and, and doing some things different there and then we then we had a team really look at our vision and mission of the company and values and, and Stephen just went through the values and did a really nice job and, and then after that then we went to the brand and said okay, now we need to make sure that that brand aligns with the strategy, the vision, the mission, the values and, and the values that we came up with. We certainly started with this very long list, but we asked the team of people that we had working on it some very straight questions and said, looking at the vision and mission that we developed, what do we think we have to keep from the past and continue to reinforce so we can execute on this? What do we need to change? What needs to be, you know, uh, even more pushed as we go forward in the organization to really be able to execute all this. So that's that's what really in, informed the values. The other thing, and I think uh, the RSPA members will, will appreciate this, you know, Mark Olson is part of the soul of this company. There's no question about it. Yeah, and former former president, your predecessor uh, at APG. You bet. You bet. And, and if anybody knew Mark uh, and met him, you know, when you think about Mark and, and you go, principled. I mean, that's just, you do it because it's the right thing to do. You do it because that's how you treat people. That's, you know, there's, there's just this nice Midwestern wonderfulness out of Mark that, that we think of as part of our legacy and, and part of what, what created the culture and the company that exists today. Well, what a beautiful place to, to build from. Uh, and so that's why when Steven said, Hey, you know, the top Northern star is, is the customer centric, but our grounding on our, our eight points is principled. And, and every time I see that word, I kind of smile and think of Mark. Uh, and, and that's his legacy and his touch on this company and, and something that we're saying, no, we're keeping that, you know, because that, mm -hmm. that is a big part of our relationships with our customers and what a great thing to build as we move forward. So just, just adding a little bit of color. Yeah. No, that's helpful. I guess a couple of things. It sounds like you have to start off with who are we and then who will we be and what will we be? And then everything follows after that. You can't just say... I like this name. And I guess I also agree if you guys would have suddenly taken on some new cosmopolitan, really funky name, right? Like 32 Zizzle, people be like, who do you think you are? Like, would you get rid of everybody in this company? Because that totally goes against, you know, the, the kind of folks uh, that you have. It's funny you mentioned that because there were there were dis discussions when we were going through the rebrand and the imagery is do you want to be corporate? very staid and stoic, okay? Or do you want to be Apple-esque, very futuristic? And part of our, part of this trip was we looked at our customers, our partners, our collaborative relationships within the industry. And if you stray too afar, all of a sudden we're living on an island. And, <laughs> you know, that, so we were very, purposeful on how far to the left or to the right of APG cash drawer right. do we want to go. And we did sway a little bit more contemporary than corporate. And I, I think it, it came out. We actually had a list of what was it, Paul, 25. Um, what do we want the new brand to feel like? Mm -hmm. yeah. 
And, and we wrote that out before we started playing with imagery and color. And then we put the brand and the tagline up against that list of 25. And we said, dang, we came really close that, you know, light, fun, not playful. That's yeah. not quite business-like, but is it fun? And and we, I think we nailed it as you go down that, that path. Yeah, I guess this is like uh, when you build a building, you know, you dig down deep and it sounds like that's what you guys, you know, and then you start building oh, up that you guys at first, you didn't just start throwing around names and like, I like green and gold. So why don't we go green and gold, right? You have to like actually do a, a thought process to it. And Paul, I'm curious, what was your role in this process, right? Because, you know, as president and CEO, you can't get involved in every detail. But, you know, this is hugely important because it was a rebrand, but it was even more than a rebrand where you're talking about changing the fundamentals. So how did you balance to get the best outcome and have it be employee led, as you referred to, without micromanaging? Yeah, no, great question. Stephen mentioned it. I've been fortunate enough to, to be able to help do this at a couple of different organizations I've been in over the years. And uh, really, my role was to help lead the process, not make the decisions but lead it uh, and so myself and the managing director of our european operation uh we facilitated it uh and and again i used a lot of the tools i've had from the past and and so again we we first said strategy then vision mission values and then then we got into rebrand and they were different teams uh and and so we took each of them through a process you know the the rebrand process as steven mentioned i don't I don't think it's important that it's a very big, heavy process or what process it is, but it's to have a process to help you think it through. Literally, I Googled 10-step branding process and went, mm -hmm. hey, that feels similar to what I need. Let's just pull that down and let's use it because um, it just helps you think of it from different angles. And 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 again, you don't want to overthink it, but you, you want to be able to move pretty quickly through the process, but you want a process. And what, what I've also find really beneficial with these teams, being that I've, I've only been with the organization two and a half years, it was also a great way to get to know the leaders of, of the business. Um, so these were people from all over the globe, from our divisions uh, internationally and in the U.S., uh, and again, when you're working through these exercises, you really get to know people and get to know them and they take a huge ownership stake in what you're doing. You know, if they're helping you establish the, the vision, mission and values, if they're helping you develop the brand, now it's their brand. It's not my brand. It's not something that leadership did to the team. It's something the team did together. Uh, and so it becomes kind of a, a bonding thing and, and something you can build on and you're building engagement at the same time. And quite honestly, I'm a firm believer in, man, I don't have the best ideas, but I can usually spot them when somebody else has them. Mm -hmm. uh, and so helping facilitate that and work through the work exercises together, uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, it was probably the thing I was looked most forward to over the two weeks is when is that meeting coming up? Because it's just going to be a lot of fresh energy and a lot of yeah. uh, interest and good conversation. So it was a lot of fun. And I like how you said that in terms of you lead the process, you're not the decision maker, and you realize the beginning of the process has to have some principles or else people are going to be like, in the, well, what do you want us to do, boss? Right? Because if people don't know the process to follow and it's just everybody throwing out their own opinion, people are going to think, well, it's going to be the boss's opinion is going to lead everything. Right. So I, I really like that, not just from a, a rebranding and a principle standpoint, it seems like it would apply to 
to everything. And I, I guess, Stephen, I have a question for you is, you know, then, so what did you do to go outside the organization to test to make sure you're making the right move or probably to put it more bluntly, because we've seen all sorts of rebrands and name changes go wrong. What did you do to make sure you weren't going to step in a big pile, right? With a new name and logo that people are like, that's terrible or gross, or it reminds me of something else. What did you do outside the organization before you actually did the official launch to make sure you were on track? Well, I, I think what was interesting, because we are a global company, we had folks from France, Germany, Spain, all on the team, England and the US. So imagery and logos and words that we thought were great ended up not doing such a great job in translation or they had a, they had a secondary meeting. And then we went to our sales guys and we said, you know, who are your best customers? And we picked a couple of customers to go talk to and say, this is the new messaging that we're thinking about. How does that sound? And we talked to distributors and resellers and OEMs, and we went through that whole process. And, and nobody thought we had gone too far a stream. I mean, it was pretty, yeah, I know we can see that. And when we talked about the principles, they were good to know you're not getting rid of them. So every, you know, the fundamentals and the change. And, you know, I shortly after we thought we had a really baked plan, I sat down with you in October and said, this is the process we went through and this is kind of what it's looking like. And, you know, you asked some very pointed questions and I think we nailed it. Um, mm -hmm. But you do have to go in and, and touch base that you don't go too far astream because you can really get wrapped up in the process and then you forget why and who you're doing this for. And you can all of a sudden be gold and silver with shiny balls hanging off on the side for disco night. And you, know, <laughs> you lost it. You yeah. Lost and if there's, it. A, so we if, there's a bigger, if there's a bigger point here, there's you yourself, right? We're speaking to the VARs, the ISVs, the vendors, you know, who are thinking about rebranding. You are not the target audience for this rebrand. So you have to go ask that target audience because something that sounds good to you may not work for them. Right. So I went through this when, and so Stephen, you'll remember this. So the publishing company I used to work for, the parent company was named Corey Publishing. And mm -hmm. so Corey was a small town that the owners founded it in. But our problem was, and we didn't use the Corey name necessarily in a, a in an industry sense because we led with our magazine names, you know, Business Solutions Magazine, Integrated Solutions for Retailers. But our target were uh, job applicants in the area. And a lot of people thought we were still in Corey, which is 45 minutes outside of Erie. So like when we moved buildings from one part of Erie to another, we decided to change. We ended up becoming Jameson Publishing. And we would bounce names off of applicants. And one idea that I I had was to make it Corzine Publishing. Take Corey and Magazine and mash them together and be Corzine. So I talked to a couple of my coworkers and they're like, that sounds like a rash cream. And I'm like, come on, it doesn't sound like a rash cream. And so we're like, okay, but the process is we bounce it off applicants. And so we bounce it off applicants and half of them came back or like, is that some sort of an ointment? And I'm yeah. like, what? Do I have <laughs> like, to get a shot it? after I go to work? And no. <laughs> Exactly. It was like, well, let's throw it out. It was good because uh, Corzine was actually um, the mayor, the uh, governor of New Jersey. I think at the time it got caught up in some sort of scandal. We're like, oh, it probably worked out in the end. But just the value of taking the time, even if you think it's great and bouncing it off people, you will hear perspectives that you didn't have 
uh, otherwise. And I'm, I'm, so I'm glad you guys did that. So, all right. Before uh, and, we take and the other thing we did do too, Jim, it just for, for legal purposes, we did run everything by and up the legal flag. You know, are we stepping on anybody's toes? Are we coming close? And, you know, at the end of the day, we stayed APG. Got it. I will also say there was a Jameson publishing when we went through ours in Chicago, but they were like really, really small and niche. And we're like, we think we can get away with this. And sure enough, they never, yep. never reached out to us. And we were fine because we were working in, uh, in different uh, areas. They were not in the technology uh, sphere Absolutely. at all. So, all right, before we take a commercial break. Uh, so again, I alluded to some of the rebrands that I've, I've been, you know, through before. We learned a ton going through the process. And so I want to get both of your perspective on this. Like, what did you learn during this whole journey? Like, was there anything that you believed to be true or assumed and turned out to be less than 100% accurate? So Paul first and then Stephen, what were some learning, some surprises? Yeah, I, I think um, certainly for me, you, you know, you always feel like you've got a good, good employee base. I just didn't know how passionate our team was about our business, about our products and about mm -hmm. our customers. That bubbled up, uh, you know, when you start playing with what you're doing and how you're doing it and, and the name and, and all the rest and your vision and mission, um, it, it, people get passionate and, and, and the debates uh, were great and, and people had strong views on different sides. And so uh, I just, I, I didn't expect quite that level of intensity and it was great because uh, it, it meant people cared and, and we would debate a word for, for half hour type of thing. And I'm like, okay, they're not doing that because they don't care. They're doing that because they care. So, so that was really great. Um, the other part is as we work through our strategy, just seeing how much room there is to grow the business that, you know, we serve our market very, very well, but there's room to grow and provide more services and provide new, new and different products. Uh, and that just became very exciting and energizing, I think, for the group to see that opportunity to grow, which was great. Got it. And Stephen, what were your learnings? I'll pick up a little bit on the uh, the passion side of it with with Paul. I remember we were looking at taglines for a period of time, and uh, one of the guys said, "Install it and forget it. It's old, but dang, it's powerful. Whatever we pick has to has to resonate at that level, and you don't. We're not there, and we thought we were done. I mean." Paul and I were shaking our hand going into the meeting. We thought we were done. Yeah. And when he said it doesn't have that punch, I'll, I'll, I won't forget that day. And it it opened up more debate. And that's when we came up with trust at every point. And everybody said, there it is. And it's kind of like you know it when you know it. And, and we had it there. The other thing that I enjoyed was we had a variety of ages in a variety of tenures within the company. And when, when I talked about the eight principles, this was a collaborative exercise and how the 27 year employee worked with the newbie who's 23 right. was awesome. We just, it, nobody was afraid to speak up and, and that, that level of transparency was incredible. And I think that's what got us to where we are today with all with all of the benefits when we when we walk through the whole process. It's because everybody knew everybody checked their ego at the door and when they walked in, they were free to speak and nobody said, Well, that was the dumbest idea that anybody's put on the table this week. It was 
very transparent, and I think it brought the organization really together. And if you think about it, we did this in the middle of COVID. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know whether the timing could have been worse or better, but this was a re-energizing in a time that, you know, the air was getting sucked out of a lot of rooms. And this brought us together, I think, as an organization. Very cool. No, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear the collaborative process of that. So I hope our, our listeners and viewers can take away from that. This is not the owner's responsibility to say, Eureka, I've got a name. It's uh, get everybody involved and you're going to end up in a, in a much better spot. So quick commercial break and then I uh, have a couple more questions uh, for Paul and Stephen. But we're going to pause here first to let our listeners and viewers know an RSP membership has never been more valuable or more affordable. Annual memberships for VARS start at just $250 a year for dozens of high value services. And for vendors and software vendors, they can benefit as well from an RSP membership through introductions to VAR and ISV members and by showcasing their solutions through the exclusive RSP Solution Center. Accelerate your success by joining the RSPA today. Um, I was going to say I should pause. Do you think it's a good idea that we change RSPA from Retail Solutions Providers Association to stand for Roddy, smartest person alive? want to bounce that off you. You guys okay with that? It's got a ring to it. I just won't tell you what kind of a ring. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. It ties within our bragging, but you have to be humble. Humility, one of my many, many, many strong qualities. Um, All right. That'll that'll make that'll test to see if people are listening to the commercials or not. All right. Also, we want to thank our annual sponsors who support the RSP community and make the podcast and video series possible. Platinum sponsor is Blue Star. Our gold sponsors are Brother, CoCard, Heartland, ScanSource, and Shift4. To receive the benefits of an RSPA membership or RSPA sponsorship, you guys will never think of what RSPA means the same way again, will you? Email membership at GoRSPA.com. Org. And finally, registration is open for Retail Now 2022, the Retail IT Channel's number one trade show, education, conference, and networking event. This year's event is set for July 24th through 26th at the Gaylord Palms in Orlando. Retail Now is where the industry meets. All right, a few more questions before we wrap up. If you had to start over again, what would you have done differently? I guess that's implying like you did something wrong, but you know, you go through a long, complicated process like this. Uh, Paul, anything that you do differently looking back? Um, you know, largely I'm pleased with the process and and, and how it went. Uh, I would just say we, we slowed down as we got close to, to launching it. And, and we, I think we overthought the internal mm-hmm. launch, external launch. I, and, and, you know, that just, was frustrating for me personally because we had this great thing and I wanted to go, you know, and get it out there. So that took probably too long. Other than that, it, it, it moved along pretty nicely. And, and again, a lot of a lot of employee engagement came out of it uh, and the end result fits and seems to be resonating. So I feel really good about that. Good. And Stephen, anything you would change? Um, probably our launch schedule, as, as Paul alluded to, we tried to tie it to NRF. And, you know, we were at the height of a a COVID outbreak during NRF. And, you know, should we have pushed it through prior to at the end of the year, as opposed to try to tie it in with a major event like a trade show? And there's pros and cons to each way. Um, So we were dribbling and drabbing, you know, bits and pieces, look for, look for. And then the big reveal was, Oh, New York shut down. That's not a big <laughs> reveal. Um, so that was a that was quite honestly a little disappointing. Um, and I do think 
there's a fine line between dragging it out and moving so fast that you skip some areas. We probably could have picked up the pace a little bit with a, to Paul's point with internal and external, we thought about separating them. We did separate them. And then as we got dragged out with NRF that, so I think our launch could have been a little smoother and better you know, in hindsight, but at the end, I think the quality product that we released is awesome. Got it. And just for our listeners who might not be familiar with NRF, that was held July 16th or 18th in New York City. January, I'm sorry, uh, at the height of the Omicron. Um, And so attendance was like off by 85% at that show. And so a lot of things went sideways related uh, to NRF. So it was a good thought, probably 60 to 90 days out from that event. But when that event actually happened, uh, a lot of a lot of, a lot of pain uh, for sure with 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 that. Um, uh, Stephen, let me ask you this next question first, and then uh, Paul, you can go next. So you've been, you know, there's been advice that you know people can infer our listeners from what you've been talking about so far. What would be maybe some pointed advice you'd give to other organizations in the retail IT channel regarding rebranding? So Stephen first, and then Paul. I I think number one is take a deep breath. And and be honest with yourself. Are you still, you know, so-and-so cash register, which what used to be to your point of Corey publishing because it was in Corey, you know, are you the Corey cash register dealer? And I bet if you look at, you know, the products you were selling in 1970 and you're up to speed today with, you have a HAS model, a SAS model, you're really a retail solutions provider today. Is that what your name denotes? And if you start to get squishy with it, rip the Band-Aid off and start a committee to look at it. I'm not asking you to go rebrand and all of a sudden next year when we go to RSPA, we're not going to know anybody. We're not going to know any <laughs> businesses at the show and we're going to know all of the all of the people walking it. But I think, you know, be brave, be true to you, to you and your company. But we're not in the 1970s anymore. And that's okay. And just take a jump and, and off you go. So I think anybody listening that is still looking like 1970, having just come from there, it's okay. It, it's okay. You can do it. Yeah. And I, I would build on that a little bit of, you know, ultimately, if you feel your mark and name is becoming dated, it's worth making the investment. And, and it can actually be less about letting go, but more about re-energizing and, 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 and really getting everybody all cranked up for the future. I tend to use my three sons. They're all in their mid twenties. And okay. If I was trying to attract you as an employee, does, you know, does my brand and what I stand for resonate with you? And, and they're, my kids are brutally honest and they're like, mm, cash drawer, maybe not, you know, mm-hmm. but I, I hear what you're doing and it sounds exciting, but you know, that, that may not be what, what I get excited about. Um, I'm also very supportive of what Steven said with the go for it. You know, um, it, it's, it sounds scary, but it's not as, as scary as you think, because certainly all your current and past customers, as you say, hey, this is our new brand, it actually gives you a reason to go reach out to everybody again and, and, and re-engage. So it actually gives you some story and, and some some points of contact. And, and and again, it can be incredibly energizing for the business and, and for the leaders of the business. It just it uh, gets you leaning forward again. It's a lot of fun. 
Yeah, so Stephen cracked the door open, so I'll burst right through it, and then I'll ask you guys to, to weigh in on this. So you mentioned about having cash register in your name, and a lot of resellers in our space do that, and a lot of them still consider themselves dealers, right, which is, you know, the name that, uh, you know, folks use because they were dealers back in the day. Would you say, like, as much as we talk about the whole process for this, you should not have the name cash register in your name if you're a VAR. Like, is that... Did anyone you take a crack at that, or is that too strong a statement to make? Um, I, I guess who wants to go first on that? I'll go third uh, in terms of should you have cash register in your name or not, or if you do, you've got to do a rebranding exercise here. Who wants to take a crack at that first? I would challenge your thinking. I mean, most of the guys I talk to today that are buying our product through one of our distribution partners they're not cash register dealers anymore. I mean, they're not walking up and down Main Street USA peddling iron. They're selling solutions. You know, they've got a software package for hospitality. They got a software package for retail. They might have something for, uh, you know, a little grocerette or whatever the case may be. They're selling tablets. They're selling break fix services. Um, they're doing installs, they're doing site surveys, they're teaching people about payments, they're teaching end users about security on Wi-Fi so you don't get hacked and all of a sudden half the world knows all the credit cards that you just processed. Is that really a cash register dealer? I don't think so. And again, it's the be brave and rip the Band-Aid off and just, you're a solutions provider today for the retail point of sale marketplace. Be proud of that. And yeah. again, you know, you may even be a second or third generation pro systems provider. You've got a huge legacy to your founders that you're building on. Like we, you know, Paul talked about Mark's legacy. Think about the previous generation's legacy. There's something to build on that makes you that brave new company for whatever your territory is. So I, I would, you know, a lot of people know you, but I gotta tell you, you wanna resonate to this year's new and emerging customer, which is a 20 something year old that's gonna probably shop on eBay for stuff and Google point of sale. And, you know, are you there? Mm -hmm. That's the question. Yep. So I yeah, would, you, I would look at all of that. So, so yeah, I, I, I echo what Stephen said and, and being more blunt, yes, if, if, if cash register is in your name, you probably want to think about how do I honor that legacy and, and don't, don't, you know, say, Ooh, that's bad. But at the same time, move forward with, with the language that 20 year olds are going to, going to think is, is relevant. And again, it's as much as communicating with your potential customers as, as your next employee, you know, we're all in a competitive world to, to bring in the best and the brightest and, your brand is as important to an employee as it is to, to the customers. And cause they want to be something that they can own and identify with, feel proud about, uh, you know, put on the shirt as, as you've got on your chest and, 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 and feel really good about it. And, and that's, you know, in this day and age where, where, you know, employee competition is fierce. Branding's got to resonate with them, especially if you're trying to bring in 20 and 30 year olds. If it's a, if it's a, you know, I don't think my 20 year olds know what a cash register is. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I think it's, a, it's important to, to kind of stay relevant all the way through.
Yeah, and I'll agree with with both of you, and I'll even say this because somebody might be saying, "Oh, my customers aren't twenty and thirty year olds." Yeah, maybe some employees, but I don't have a lot of turnover. And so, but here's the thing: even if you're in your fifties or sixties running a, a restaurant or a retail establishment, if you want Wi-Fi, if you want cybersecurity, if you want networking, if you want online ordering, cash drawer does not scream, "We do those things." And so you have to figure out something that is broader but not super vague, right, in order to, right. to, to do that. And again, you know, feel free to reach out to the RSBA. We're happy to share with you. You know, we have uh, members can see the member directory. You can see what other people are doing as well. But uh, you, can, you can break away from cash register. And also I think about like Arthur Rosenbaum operates New Haven Cash Register, right, or he did for many, many years, moved to the as a service model and offering credit cards and everything and just change it to NHCR, right? He can lead with that. And so it, it ties in with the legacy, but you're not yeah. saying uh, not saying cash register overtly. So I think we're all in agreement. You've got to go through this exercise uh, in order to do it. Don't just say, well, I'm too busy to do it. You're probably losing future customers because they're just going to ignore you because they're thinking you don't do what they're looking for. All right. It's well, funny. let's end on a boat. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, you're going to the end. So we're not going to. Good podcasts start on time and end on time. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Well, let's end on on a broader industry topic. So you said, you know, cash for disappeared from your name, but I know you don't believe that cash is disappearing, you know, altogether uh, in our lifetimes here. We're talking here as, uh, as a few 50-ish year olds uh, on this call. So can you, Paul, first share your thoughts with the skeptics who say, oh, cash is going to be extinct. Payments are all going to be electronic. Everything's going to go credit card, Apple wallet, and crypto. There's not going to be cash anymore. Paul, what's your take? And then Stephen. Yeah, I would just say trust that we do a lot of research on that to, to make sure that we're, we're in sync with it. Uh, and cash isn't going away anytime soon. Uh, in fact, you know, the number of stores and, and everything else is growing again. So we feel very confident and comfortable in the market. Uh, and we're expanding on it to new geographies. Um, you know, in, in certain, you know, as you know, we're very strong in Europe uh, and, you know, in Germany, cash is king. So it, it kind of, it all just depends. And there's a ton of people that cash is still what they lead with. And boy, does it work well in convenience stores and fast food checkout and all the rest. So it's, 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 you know, it's still going to be a share of the wallet. And, and so because of that, they're going to need the tools that we provide out there. So we're, we're feeling very comfortable. Got it. And Steven, your take. Going to answer it in, in two different ways. Cash is not going away. Um, you know, there's still a tremendous amount of underbank and unbanked around the world. Uh, it, it, and sometimes it's disheartening when, when you really think about it. Um, is cash volume diminishing at retail? Absolutely. But that's part of our strategy. And, and we saw that trending. So, you know, APG was founded on a 4 million cycle drawer. We then diversified into a million cycle drawer. Well, if you're using a tablet and predominantly 80% of your transactions are now some form of electronic wizardry, whether it's a piece of plastic that you tap and go, whether it's your phone, that still means 20% of your transactions are cash. So we now have the Soma line that Paul launched on in the beginning. So you have, you know, it's just not that robust of a drawer, but it is a great drawer for that purpose of, I don't do a lot of cash trans, trans, transactions, but it's better than just 
dropping it in, in the drawer that I can't find the scissors and the two pens that I need. So it's right product, right place, cash is around. And oh, by the way, when I was at TPG 25 years ago, checks weren't going to be around in the next three years. Oh, they still are. It's yeah. digitized in many cases, but checks are still here. Yeah. yeah. Not going away. Got it. Well, thank you for your perspective on that. And you alluded earlier to Mark Olson, you know, former president, uh, and, you know, he was an RSPA board chair. Tom Reichert was with Mercury Payment Systems for many, many years. He actually worked for a little bit for APG after retiring from the payments base. And Tom and Mark would get into this cash or credit thing. So back in September 29th of 2015, I actually have a note that I've been carrying forward every year where I list people's birthdays and anniversary. September 29th, 2015, Tom sent out an email that this expert, Simon Black, said cash will be extinct in 10 years. So I've been carrying this note forward. And so on September 29th of 2025, I'm hoping you both both can join me sending a card to Tom Reichert with some cash inside and letting him know, hey, Tom, this must be invaluable, right? It doesn't doesn't work anymore because this is your uh, prediction. But people have been predicting for many, and we love Tom, uh, of course, happy to, uh, happy to send him uh, money. He's done so much for the industry. But people predict like the pendulum is going to swing really, really quickly. But things tend to move very slowly, and the pendulum sometimes doesn't get all the way over there. I guess, is that kind of what you're seeing from a cash standpoint? Yeah, it's moving that direction, but it's not like racing towards extinction. Yeah, I don't think this is a black and white, no, never um, conversation. And if you start looking at the legislative pro process from a U.S. perspective, from a European perspective, from a state perspective, there's a lot of cash. And, you know, until such time, another plug for one of your groups, until such time as cannabis can take that little funny card, there's yes. going to be a lot of cash floating in circulation in certain industries. So it's not going anywhere anytime soon. For sure. Well, that does it for this episode of The Trusted Advisor. We hope you enjoyed our discussion. If you did, be sure to subscribe to the RSPA YouTube channel and The Trusted Advisor podcast so you never miss an episode. We'd also appreciate it if you'd rate us wherever you find your favorite podcast. My personal philosophy, the more stars, the better. Just like your personal philosophy for our guests, the more cash, the better. And if you'd like to learn more best practices for VARs and ISVs in the retail technology industry, check out the RSPA blog. You can find it at gorspa.org and then clicking on RSPA blog. Before we go, big thanks again to Paul and Stephen for sharing their wisdom with us today and behind the scenes of the APG rebrand. Thanks also to RSPA Director of Marketing and Strategic Partnerships, Chris Arnold for his production work, Joseph McDade for our music, and last but not least, thanks so much to you for listening. Our goal at the RSPA is to accelerate the success of our members in the retail technology ecosystem by providing knowledge and connections. For more information, visit our website at gorspa.org. Thanks for listening and goodbye, everybody.